come. Yeah. Split her open. When you stab someone, they leak to death. Before another twisted tangent. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another twisted tangents. My name is Tom, and I'm Bonnie. And tonight. We are delving into possibly one of America's biggest serial killers. Both <sighs> figuratively and literally. Yeah. He's, he's got a number of kills under his belt, uh, but he's also six foot nine. What? I wish I was that tall. I'm, I'm a little jealous. I don't wish you were that tall. Hey, maybe not quite six foot nine, but I wish I was taller because that'd be fun just to be that tall. Just Just because. You already get enough people coming up to you going, wow, he's so tall. I do. I do. But I'm only six foot four. I feel like I could be a bit taller for those comments to be warranted. Yeah, true. <clears throat> so, and I, I have to apologize in advance. Uh, I just cracked open a bag of pork crackle with Himalayan salt from Costco that we got. Or in America, pork rinds. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> and I appear to have inhaled a... Uh, Pork flake, and it's sitting in my throat. I've tried, and it's killing him slowly. It is, it is, it really is. I, I've tried eating some chips, like some corn chips. I've tried washing it down with milk. I had a nice big glass of milk here, and I was like, "Yep, that's going to see me through, so I don't like cough and splutter." But I'm already halfway through, just trying to get rid of this pork flake, so I could potentially actually die. Which will be fun. Please don't. But it'll be, it'll be good for ratings. I don't want to be a widow at 26. Eh, it'll be something to write about. <laughs> I don't have time to write a book, mate. Yeah, I know. But anyway, let's get straight into it. If you haven't guessed by now, we are delving into the life of Edmund Kemper. Bumblebird. Yes. The third. The third, yeah. We're good at... Having multiples of people, aren't we? And and the third, yeah, I want to find more people to the third that that are in like true crime. We have Vlad the third. Now we've got Ed the third. Although it sounds not going to be as confusing as Vlad was because that that started with his father. Whereas this is all pretty much it's pretty much all about him. We mentioned Vlad the first, uh, Vlad, Christ, Ed the first and Ed the second. Yeah, but. Yeah, we don't go into them a great deal. They're just kind of there and then they're gone. The drummer from Green Day was a, the third, but he's not a criminal. He just plays the drums. <clears throat> Isn't his name Trey Cool? No. Is that him? Or is yeah, that... it is, but his name is Frank Edwin Wright the third. Yeah, no, naming yourself Trey Cool is a crime within itself. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty That cool. is a crime. That is a... the. Like, I'm all for having a stage name, but if your stage name is Trey Cool... Get fucked. That's bullshit. No, I don't like it. I just, I, he's, he's not a bad drummer, drummer but even Frank wanker. Cool would have been better than that. Mm. Anything would have been better than that. David Davis would have been better than Trey Cool. That's pretty bad. <laughs> Although that's that's people's actual names. I saw it on the news the other night. So anyway, Edmund Kemper the third. Before, we're just going to call him Ed Kemper. Yeah, we're just calling him Ed or Bumblebutt because it's a fun nickname. And everyone needs a fun nickname. Not like Trey Cool, though. So just some stats before before we get into Ed Kemper and his life. The Internal Association of Forensic Science came up with a list of 14 characteristics that increased the likelihood of someone becoming a serial killer. 
So you've I always. I feel like that's a lot. Fourteen. It is. It, that's, it is a and lot. And it doesn't make you a serial killer. It just increases the likelihood. Yes. That's a worry. Yeah, it is. Uh, there's also like that the holy trinity of uh, yeah. the three things that uh, the all a lot of bedwetting. Yeah, bedwetting, setting abuse. fires, and animal abuse. Yeah, which a part of this 14, but this is expanded on that. So. Let's see how many we have. Here we go. I've got the first one down, Pat. Over 90% of serial killers are male. Last time I checked, <laughs> I got that one ticked off. Yeah. Serial killers tend to be intelligent with IQs in the bright normal range. I'm out on that one. That's me done. I'm out. See you later. I had the first one done. I was you looking good. You don't know what your IQ is. I don't, but let's be honest. I'm not going to be up there. You don't know. That's one thing I really want to do. I want to do an IQ test. Well, I always we used to try and do the one. Remember they used to do it on the TV? Yeah. And they're like, get your printout from the paper, but mum would never buy the paper. Yeah, well, your mum's a stooge. Yeah, so I never got to do it, but I always wanted to do it because I've always Hang on, your mum would never buy the paper. How often have we gone shopping? No, and during the week. The... Oh, okay, right. Yeah, see, I always did. I remember there was a, a car one and it was like a learner's test and it was like all these different questions and it was a printout in the newspaper and you wrote down your answers. Yeah. I always did really, really well and I never had help from mum or dad. It was just me doing it, watching the whatever the TV show was. I missed that. That was really good fun. Good, wholesome family TV. Yeah, family entertainment. Anyway. Uh, number three, serial killers tend to do poorly in school. Huzzah, that's me. Have trouble holding down jobs and often work as unskilled labourers. I don't do shit at work, so that's me. Yeah, you have an unskilled position right now. I ha- Yeah, I do. Most so definitely. do I, though. Yeah, but at least you cashier. interact. Yeah, cashier. Like, but I don't think I think cashier is a little more skilled than an unskilled labourer. Yeah. You're not just there to be like, I move things from here. I pick to up brick. <laughs> no, it I- heavy. Me lift. I can add and count change and stuff. Yeah, no, that's way, <laughs> that's way above this. That's miles above. Uh, number four, serial killers tend to come from markedly unstable families. Your family's, like, your parents are still together. Mine got a divorce mm. when I was fairly young. I'd say fairly, I was like 13 or something. So I kind of have that, maybe? I don't know. Although they're divorced, they're st- quite stable people. Though. Yeah, as, as people they are. As people, yeah. As family, no. As people, yes. <laughs> uh, as children, many serial killers were abandoned by their fathers and raised by domineering mothers. No. 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 I mean, dad left and, yeah, no. Mum wasn't very domineering because I just went, I don't care. And I'm you good. still saw your dad. Occasionally, yeah, did I didn't, I, yeah, not that often, but yeah, I did see him occasionally, uh, and yeah, we talk a lot. So he definitely didn't abandon us. No, definitely not. No. Uh, number six: families of serial killers often have criminal, psychiatric, or alcoholic histories. Or my sister's an alcoholic. Oh my god, I hope she's not listening. No, definitely not. Neither of them will. Uh-huh. Dad gets through like five minutes of an episode and he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> Mum said that we have good chemistry. Well, yeah, that's why we're um, fucking husband and wife. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much she actually listens to. Uh, and my two sisters, no chance. My older sister, maybe. 
They might listen to it on their long drives between... Claire, definitely not. My, my little sister, no chance would she listen to this. Not a hope in hell would she ever listen. I don't even think she's Thank liked God. the page. I don't think she's liked the page on Facebook or Instagram. So there's no chance she's actually going to spend Nothing time like listening family to support. Oh, it's great, isn't it? And they say when setting up a Patreon, get your friends and family. No, no chance. Not going to happen. I don't have friends and my family suck. Number seven, serial killers often hate their mothers and fathers. No, my folks are all right. I get along with them. I hate my father. My mother's all right. You're halfway there. Kind of. <laughs> Number eight, serial killers are commonly abused as children, psychologically, physically, and sexually. The abuse is oftentimes by a family member. Nope. I was never abused. Not even a little bit. I wasn't sexually abused. I was put down a lot. Yeah. I was never beaten or sexually abused, but, yeah, I was put down a bit. The most I got was a smacked ass when I fucked up. Oh, yeah. When it, I yeah. definitely deserved it. Yeah. Yeah, I got a smacked ass, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah, the old man gave me a a smacked ass on a couple of occasions. I didn't get beatings just because they felt like it. No, no, no. I, <laughs> mine was always like, afterwards, I went, yeah, deserved. I deserved that. And, but afterwards, I mean, like, years down the track. <laughs> when you realise that you When I realised I was a fucking asshole as a child, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, now I look back and go, I probably would have beaten me a lot more. But kudos for you put, for putting up with me. Uh, number nine. Many serial killers spend time in institutions as children with records of early psychiatric problems. No. No, not even close to that one. Uh, number 10, serial killers generally have a high rate of suicide attempts. No. Never never attempted. Uh, number 11, from an early age, many serial killers are intensely interested in voyeurism, fetishism, and sadomasochistic pornography. No. no. Uh, number 12, more than 60% of serial killers wet their beds after the age of 12. No. No. Number 13, many serial killers are fascinated with starting fires. Yes, big yes. I am a, or used to be, a pyromaniac. I love fire and flames. That's kind of, that's probably why I want to learn how to breathe fire. And do fire twirling and stuff because I just love fire. It's fascinating to me. I mean, I I don't love fire. Like I like I like fire twirling and I like candles and shit. But I just I don't just set stuff on fire for no reason. Oh, see, I like <clears throat> I like lighting a match and just watching the flame. I just I just find it really fascinating for some reason. Should I be worried about you? No, nah, you'd be right. Cool. <laughs> I don't do it as much anymore, at all anymore, really. Uh, now, when I light a match, I just get pissed off when the candle doesn't light straight I'm away. I'm taking the matches out of the office. No. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> Many serial killers are involved in sadistic activity or tormenting small animals. Definitely a massive no on that one. Yeah, no, definitely not. Anyone that abuses a small animal, even if it's a cat. I hate cats, but even if it's a cat, I'm going to whoop your fucking ass. Yeah, I'm going like- to beat you. Don't do that, guys. I'm not I'm not in for that. So out of those 14 characteristics, our bumble butt, Mr. Edmund Kemper, had 12 of them. Yeah, that's a lot. Also, if you're listening to this and you ticked off a fair few, maybe you should go see a therapist. Yeah, seek, get some help. 
Yeah, before don't, don't you maybe people. go out and kill someone. Yeah, don't t- k- look. Because one day you might snap. So Killing people's not okay. Your friendly twisted tangents warning, go out and uh, just just talk to somebody. Yeah, and if you <clears throat> decide that you want to do that to be on some kind of a true crime podcast, you're not going to make it, just so you know. It won't. You, you won't get on there. Or kill someone and let us interview you. <clears throat> You just basically contradicted what I just said. Well, not basically. You did. You just went completely 180 on what I said. Yeah, but how cool would it be? Oh, yeah, no, 100%. I know a guy that killed someone. I was actually mates with someone who killed someone. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, and he was a good bloke, and we played cricket together. He was an all right guy. We roughhoused in in the beer garden, as guys tend to do. And then he went and killed someone. I was like, oh, shit, I could have been dead. Probably not. But anyway, back on to Edmund Kemper. That's a story for another day. If you want to hear that story, let us know, and I will more than happily tell it. So on the 18th of December in 1948, Edmund Kemper was born in Burbank, California, weighing in at 13 pounds. Oh, my God. From somebody who's had two nine-pound babies, like, fuck that. Yeah, 13. Yeah, that's not... That's he's a big motherfucker from yeah. the time he come out right through to now because I'm pretty sure he's still alive now. Really? Yeah, yeah. He's he's looking a little worse for wear, considering he was born in 1948. Yeah, but uh, yeah. To Ed- Edmund Emil Kemper the second and Clarnell Kemper. I just feel like Clarnell needs to have that real Clarnell. Yeah, that needs that real... Like, I get California's not that Southern American kind of accent. I don't know what what states, but I just feel like it needs that. It, it makes sense to me. Like, I know that from what you just said, she's the mum. Yes. But if you just said to me, Clarnell, I could not tell you whether that was a boy's name or a girl's name. Clarnell. No, see, I know that that's a it's girl's like name. It's like Clara but... and Darnell. <clears throat> It is. It is a bit, yes. That's that's <clears throat> shit ass. Not the best name, I will admit, but it's a name. Edmund's not great either. Edward. Edmund. Edmund. Yeah. Emil. Yeah, their names. Ed had two sisters, Susan and Alan. I'm assuming that's how it's pronounced. A double L Y N. Alan or Alin. Alan. 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 <laughs> Alan. Alan. That's not Alan. That's Susan. (laughs) Susan. (laughs) No. His father was a World War II veteran and worked at the Pacific Proving Grounds where he tested nuclear weapons, later becoming an electrician. Ed had a very strict upbringing with his mother rumoured to have suffered from borderline personality disorder. Fun. That's what you want, isn't it? His parents had a very strained marriage with his father claiming that testing nuclear bombs was nothing compared to married life with Clarnell. Oh, fuck, that's a bit shit. He also said that being married to her had more of an impact on him than 396 days and nights of fighting on the front line did. If you ever said anything like that about me, I would literally just leave you. I'd be like, you are the fucking rudest person ever. 
Uh, look, Although she mu- like she must be hard to live with. Oh yeah. Um, just from reading what I've read so far, she's fucking horrible. She is super like just a bitch. She's super bitch. Clarnelli's super bitch. <laughs> just there to fuck up everyone's day. Super bitch to the, not even to the, super bitch to the fuck up. She can't say to the rescue. I don't know what the opposite to the rescue would be. She's super bitch. I'm leaving it at that. Like on Liar Liar, when she walks in, he's like, here she comes to wreck the day. Yes, that's Clarnell. <laughs> that is her. If if that movie was around back then, I'm sure that's what Ed would have been singing as soon as his mother walked in the door. <laughs> Clarnell rarely showed any affection towards Ed, and because of this, Ed was much closer to his father. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. He slowly developed a hatred for his mother. And in 1957, when his parents got a divorce, his rage grew into anger and violent tendencies. Right. Like, he, like I don't... That doesn't really sum up the hatred that he had for his mother, I don't think. It doesn't do it justice. I don't know what... I don't know how you could put that into words. Clarnell was the single most hated person that Ed knew. Like... Everything bad that ever happened in his life was directly related to his mother. Right. Everything stems back to her. And I mean everything. Yeah. So, yeah, that doesn't really sum it up, but, yeah, this rage that he has for his mother is just beyond words. Yeah. So, Clarnell got full custody of all three of the children and moved them to Montana. At the age of 10, at the age of 10, Ed got his first kill under his belt. At the age of 10, he took the family cat and buried it alive. Oh, I remember hearing about that. He later dug up the now dead cat and played with it. Mm. That's a little bit fucked up. Yeah, that's like red flag number one. Yeah, definitely. Three years later, he would take the life of another family cat. This time, he butchered it with a machete and hid it in a closet. When his mother discovered the remains of the cat, Ed denied any involvement. In an interview years later, Ed revealed that he took pride in the fact that he got away with it and that he could still appear to be a normal person despite all the rage that was inside of him. As a child, where do you just get a fucking machete from? Uh, I'm, sh- I'm assuming there'd be some in like a garden shed or something. Yeah, but fucking hell. Like I, I had access to uh, probably not a machete. Actually, definitely not a machete. I don't think mum and dad owned one. But if I wanted to kill a pet cat, not that we had one, I def I I had access to stuff that would do it. Like a lot of tools in the garage, like woodworking tools. I had there was shovels and. Like rakes and all sorts yeah. of stuff in the, uh, I guess so. In the garden shed, yeah. And this would have, then there would, there would have just been knives hanging around. So you, there's always access to something somewhere. So and because uh, you don't think that your ten year old child is going to take a machete and butcher the cat, no, and then hide it in a closet. I, it's not something that you're, you're thinking about, no. So you know. Throughout his childhood, Ed would often daydream about committing violent acts upon other people, especially his mother. He would often set fires, dismember his sister's dolls, 
and pretend to be a dying prisoner inside of a gas chamber. Hendrix pulls the head off Layla's lol dolls. But he's not pretending to be a dying prisoner inside of a gas chamber. No. And I don't think he does it on purpose. I think he does it trying to undress them, to redress them, and just gets a bit rough and the heads just yeah. pop off. He don't, I don't think he understands how strong he is. He no. is a super strong child. But At 10 years old, Clarnell decided to move Ed down into the rat-infested basement. She kitted out his new bedroom with a mattress on the floor. Oh, nice. Yeah, an Homey. entire mattress. Going for that minimalist yeah. Oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, Ed had one small light bulb to light up his new bedroom. That was it. It's like Filipino prison chic. Yeah. And, of course, he's got all of his rats there for the company. Yeah. Somehow, though, Ed managed to last four years before he'd had enough and decided to run away to go live with his father. In theory, this was a good idea as his father was the only one that he felt close to. However... When he arrived at his father's house, he was shocked to find his father had remarried and had a stepson. His father wasn't overly pleased to see his son, but let him stay for a short while before sending him back to his mother. Rejected by his father, he returned home only to be rejected by his mother. She didn't want him living there anymore for fear of what he may do to his sisters. So she sent him to North Fork, California to live with his grandparents, Edmund Senior and Maud. 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 I love it. Classic old lady name. Oh, yeah, most definitely. But Maud's a bitch. Well. Just saying Maud is a bitch. Right. Yeah. (laughs) Being completely disowned by both of his parents, Ed let himself slip further into his sick and twisted fantasy world. This fantasy would manifest into reality when he arrived at his grandparents' ranch. His grandmother was exactly like his mother. She emasculated him and was very stern with her discipline. His grandfather bought him a 22 gauge rifle to go hunting with. Instead, Ed would go out shooting birds and animals that weren't game. To teach him a lesson, Ed Sr. took the gun away from Ed for killing for the sake of killing. Not long later, his grandfather returned the rifle thinking that he had taught Ed a valuable lesson. This would prove to be a fatal mistake. Yeah, you just told him how to stew, pretty much. Yeah. This is also why guns are bad and you should not have guns. Yeah. To Americans that are like, don't take our guns away from us. We need a gun. Gotta protect ourselves. You fucking morons! Seriously! We can get into the gun debate here. No, we're not. But we're not going to. <laughs> I don't know. I, having the gun debate from an Aussie perspective is very different than an American perspective. But, yeah, I don't know. I feel like letting a small child... I don't know anything about guns, so twenty two gauge rifle means nothing to I mean, me. I've shot a twenty two. It's just... They're small bullets. They're, like, skinny and little. They're, like, this big. Yeah. So it's a smaller gauge gun and it's not as powerful, but it'll still fucking kill things. Yeah, I think any... And I shot it in the company of my father who was... We were at a shooting range 
because he was part of a gun club, which is the only way you're allowed to have a gun in Australia if you're not, like, an army person or a fucking policeman. Yeah. Yeah. So I was very well protected. There was no... You weren't going to go out killing people, basically. Well, no. Plus, I was probably, like, 11. That hasn't stopped people before. I know, but I just didn't have it in my mind. Small children kill. On the morning of August 27th, 1964... Maud was in the kitchen writing a children's book while Ed Senior was out doing the food shopping. As Ed opened the fridge to find something to eat. Why can't you do the food shopping? Me? Yeah. Because I'll fuck it up. It's really not that hard. Why Why are we bringing this into the episode? Because now? the man's doing the food shopping. Yeah, but this was 1964. I hate you sometimes. He really shouldn't have been doing it, to be fair. <laughs> <laughs> That's a woman's job. Oh, my God. <laughs> but Maud was busy in the kitchen writing a children's book. As you do. As you do. On, I don't know what day of the week that was. Let's say, for argument's sake, it was a Saturday morning. I really don't know. But it was Saturday, August 27th, 1964. Look it up. <laughs> if, it, if it doesn't say Saturday, your calendar's wrong. <laughs> yep. I went there. That's right. It was a Saturday. Deal with it. Uh, so Ed opened up the fridge to find something to eat and Maud started making comments about Ed sleeping in and being useless around the house. Ed started to remember the comments that his mother had made about him and his blood started to boil. Filling with rage, Ed stormed back to his room, leaving Maud in the kitchen with a feeling of satisfaction for getting under his skin so easily. Ed quickly returned with his rifle, to which Maud replied, don't shoot any birds. Ed raised the gun to Maud's head and pulled the trigger. He followed it up with two shots in her back. He then dragged her body to her bedroom wardrobe. After feeling a sense of satisfaction with what he had just done, Ed started to think about his grandfather who would be returning any minute from the shopping. Ed didn't want him to go through the experience of finding his wife murdered. So in a sick and twisted sense of compassion... Ed opened the front door of the house as his grandfather pulled in. As Ed Sr. opened the car door and stepped out, Ed raised the rifle and fired. Ed Sr. dropped to the ground, dead. Yeah, I just, I feel like... That could have been prevented? Yeah, I feel like that was a slight overreactment. Overreactment? Overreaction? Over... Yeah. Overreactment is not a word. I'm so fucking tired. Yeah, it is now. All right? (laughs) Overreactment. Just like August 27th was a Saturday morning. Fucking oath. We're just making up our own shit in this Cool. Let's do it. Overreactment to the situation. Yeah, it didn't sound right when I said it, but I'm like, it's right, isn't it? We're going with it. (laughs) Yeah, I'm rolling with it. Um, Yeah, I feel like that really could have been, it could have been just, just go, hey, pop, killed your wife. If you didn't want him to find her, just tell him. Or not shoot his grandmother. Oh, well, yeah, but if she's a bitch and he's a psycho, what's going to happen? Yeah. But now there's just a god almighty mess in the kitchen. At least it's in the kitchen, which theoretically would be tiled. So at least clean- it's not cleaning up off blood off of carpet. I guess so, but if he dragged her to the bedroom... Yeah, there's going to be smears gonna all be the way. There's going to be blood all the way through the house. Bits of brain matter everywhere and skull fragments. I Fucking mean, yeah. metal. 22s aren't massive bullets, so I don't know how but much. But at point blank range. Yeah, true that. 
I know fuck all about guns, but I feel like a gun at point blank range, regardless of the caliber size, it's going to do some damage. Yeah. Make a mess. Well, she died, didn't she? Well, look, she did. <laughs> and if the shot to the head didn't kill her, the two in the back definitely did. Yeah. I think that was more of a, oh, my God, I killed her. Yeah, bang, bang. Throw two more in at a celebration for his accomplishments. But the reality of killing both of his grandparents finally hit Ed. He had no idea what to do. So he called his mother and asked her. She told him to call the police and tell them. So he sat in the kitchen and patiently waited for them to arrive. He was promptly arrested. Ah, and the sirens are going. That's funny. We can literally hear sirens in the background. To be fair, we live, what, like 500 metres from the cop shop? If that. Yeah. But still, it's just, yeah, it sounds like funny. a soundtrack to the, yeah. po- to the podcast. <laughs> it probably won't get picked up, but it's, it's there. He was promptly arrested and taken to the local police station where they asked him why he had killed his grandmother. He simply replied with, I just wanted to see what it felt like to kill her. He didn't even say someone. He said her. That's bad. Oh, yeah, no, no. He's very specific. Very specific. He definitely wanted her dead because she reminded him of his own mother. Yeah. So it was very specific. It wasn't just a random attack. It was, I am going to kill you because you remind me of my mother. Yeah. Yeah. I still feel like his granddad shouldn't have given him the gun to begin with, but hey. Yeah. To be fair, he probably would have just used a machete or something. He would have found something and killed her in some other way, more than likely. Probably. Yeah. Psychiatrists at the California Youth Authority diagnosed Ed with paranoid schizophrenia. His IQ was near genius level at 136. Now, for context, the average IQ... Yeah, I was going to say, I don't know. Yeah. Now, the, the average IQ is between 90 and 110. Right. Albert Einstein... And IQs aren't just like... Like it from, takes in a, a lot of stuff. Yeah, but like I've, I've heard that IQs, like five points, can be a massive difference. It yes, goes from definitely. like it go like average to like genius is less than like you know. Yeah, it's a only a few points. points. Yeah, it's only a few points between everything really, between being mentally retarded and being of average mind like everyone else is only a few points yeah and then being average and being a genius is only a few points yeah uh albert einstein and stephen hawking's iqs 160 he's at 136 and they're at 160 that's that's how intelligent ed kemper was is i should say is he's still alive yeah so he's he's up there yeah and some of the stuff that he does i'm jealous (laughs) Some of the stuff that Ed does, uh, you can see that... He wouldn't say overreactment. No, he probably wouldn't say overreactment. <laughs> uh, he'd probably correct correctly say overreaction. Shh. But that is what it is. Uh, it was decided to place Ed into Atascadero State Hospital. Atascadero? Atascadero, yes. Right. Uh, it's a maximum security facility on the central coast of California. Ed became one of 1,600 patients at the hospital. That's a lot. 24 of which were murderers, 
and 800 were sex offenders, with just 10 psychiatric staff members. No one here got the help they so desperately needed. And remember, these so are So they had to look after 160 patients each. Well, these are the... They're not just regular... That's not regular staff members. They would have had more regular staff members. These are the psychiatric staff members. So oh. they'd have different levels. So you'd have, like, your normal sort of guards and, like, people making sure everyone's safe and right. all that stuff. You'd have your doctors. you have your psychiatric say, staff members I feel members like that's that. a bit... Uh... Yeah, no, no, no. A bit no, no. of a it's, workload. Yeah, no, it wasn't ten to sixteen hundred because that's, uh, even back then, I'm gonna say that's fucking illegal. I don't know. Yeah, true. There were some really dodgy psychiatric wards back in the day. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so during his four years, that's all his four years at Adescadero, Ed gained the trust of his counselor. His ability to act as a model patient led to the position. Of being an assistant to the staff. Yeah, because he's so smart. He can just put he's, it on. Yeah, yeah, he's smart and he's just... The the thing that comes in, that will come in later on with the police is, oh, no, it's Ed. It's just Ed. That's the kind of guy that he was. He was just, just Ed. He wasn't ever someone that you kind of suspect for anything, really, because he's just Ed. Like, the only thing about him was... That he was big. So. Yeah, yeah, he's really, really, he's gigantically tall. And that's it. He doesn't even look menacing, even in the photos and everything. Yeah, he looks like a big goober. Yeah, he looks like someone that you go down the pub and have a have a couple of bevs with. He doesn't look like a... I don't know. I'd probably just look at him and be like, oh, you're a big, goofy basement dweller. Yeah, especially with that moustache. <laughs> yeah. But then again, that was all the rage back in the 70s, so, you know. So now that Ed was an assistant to the staff, he had access to psychological test papers, but more importantly, diagnosis criteria. Yeah, I feel like that should not be a thing. Yeah, well, he's now got that. He knows exactly what the doctors want to hear for you to get out. He educated himself on how to appear fully rehabilitated to the clinician's With the ability now to pass all of the tests with ease, the medical team believed that there was no need for Ed to remain at Atascadero State Hospital. His doctor insisted that Ed not be released. But in 1969, at the age of 21, the California Youth Authority released Ed into the care of his mother. There's your first problem. See, everything comes back to his mother. Everything. So, yeah. He's a double murderer. Double murderer? Committed a double homicide. He's killed both of his grandparents. (laughs) And now he's gone to go and live with his mother. We're not doing well with the things. Clarnell had moved to Santa Cruz in California and started work as as an administrator at the University of California. She didn't skip a beat. As soon as he returned, she continued her abuse towards Ed, attacking his sense of self-worth. Well, yeah, she's got four years to make up for. Yeah. So she attacked his sense of self-worth, just like her three ex-husbands. As part of his parole requirements, Ed attended a community college and had a series of odd jobs. With his juvenile criminal record now behind him, it was time for Ed to get serious about a career. Right. Of 
killing or no 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 an actual <laughs> job where he goes to work and gets paid by a boss and he does the things and the stuff and so becomes a, a human no <laughs> the grim reaper <laughs> he's not killing people anymore he wants to make something of himself it was while he was working for the California Department of Transportation that Ed decided that he wanted to be a state trooper. He wanted to do good for the, for the community. Be a state trooper. Mm. Uphold the law. He applied to be a state trooper. I feel like after you've killed someone, that's really not a job you no, should be doing. Well, no, but that's kind of behind him now. Is he was it? 14. I know, but I feel like that yeah, would no. stay with you for life. Yes and no. It's behind him. He, fresh page. He's of age now. Okay. So he applied to be a state trooper, but he was disqualified due to his weight. I hear you, buddy. Are you sad? Because I that, hear. I hear. I'm with Ed on that this. It's really. Close I am to home. there. I am with him. Let's raise arms and fuck the system, because I also applied to be a police officer, and I too was disqualified due to my weight. Five kilos I was overweight by, which I feel is stupid. Fuck Vic Pol. Or ten pounds to you Americans. Is it? No, it's not directly. It's pretty much. It's close enough. Kind of close It's like 2.2 2 pounds to a kilo. So it's yeah, probably okay. like it's probably like 11. Yeah. Um, basically, I could have dropped the weight in like two days. You tried. I tried. You tried so fucking hard. Yeah, could have tried harder. Not eating. You had weight <laughs> shakes and beans for a week. Fuck weight shakes are shit. Anywho, oh my God. I'm with Ed on I'm I'm 100% with, I don't care what anyone says, I'm with Ed on this one particular thing of being denied the ability, the privilege, the honour to uphold the law as a state trooper, which I'm assuming is close enough to a police officer, uh, and then being... Kicked out because you're probably like overweight. highway patrol. Fuck, I hate a highway <laughs> patrol. They're cunts. <laughs> They're fucking dogs. Anywho, so Ed weighed three hundred pounds, which is one hundred and thirty-six kilos, which is what I weigh currently. Because I've gotten a lot fatter since I tried to be a copper. Yeah, but he stood at six foot nine. So for him, that's kind of a reasonable weight. Yeah, I feel like it would have been more evenly spread. Yeah, and you look at the photos when he was arrested, he's not fat. No. He's just fucking huge. He's yeah, just a he's beast. Just large. Yeah, he's not fat. He's just very tall. So Ed was six foot nine and 300 pounds. Recruits, however, needed to be between 211 and 234 pounds, which is 95 to 106 kilos. So in America, I'd get in. Because I was 105. Yeah. So I'm in. But, yeah, Ed is slightly over by almost 70 pounds. <laughs> but that's purely because he's six foot nine. I it's, reckon if he was, what was it, 200 and, 211 to 234 pounds, yeah. he would look like a skeleton. Oh, yeah, definitely. That would not be healthy for him. Someone of that height, they should not be that, that skinny. He would look gaunt. Yeah, so Ed decided that it was finally time to move out and away from his mother. He saved up enough money from working at the, the Department of Transportation that he was able to get an apartment near San Francisco, sharing it with a roommate. However, he was not able to keep up his end of the rent and was quickly forced back to live with his mother. Oh, for God's sake. Yeah, naturally, 
Clarnell kept up her tirade towards Ed, making him feel like a complete failure. He was interested in girls, but by this stage, he had never been kissed, and his anger towards his mother manifested over to women in general. Yeah, I could say that. Yeah, he was super awkward around, he wanted to be with girls, but he was just awkward around them. He was one of those guys. Like, and it's bad enough being awkward around girls, let alone being his height, because that yeah. would just make it worse. And his height in the 70s. Yeah, that's extremely tall. Where everyone was a lot shorter back then. Yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm a bit shorter then. And he's, yeah, he definitely sticks out like a sore thumb. So he became interested in voyeurism. <laughs> And Santa Cruz was the perfect place for Ed's latest hobby. It was a magnet. Not sure whether you'd call it a hobby. <laughs> well, it's something to do. A hobby. What's what's a hobby defined as like something that know. you take enjoyment out of, but is not paid work. He's not getting paid for it. He oh. likes to do it. Some people play sport for a hobby. Some people. Write music, play music. Make jewellery. Yeah. Make podcasts. Other people go out and look at other people. I mean, I people watch, but I wouldn't really call it I think every, I think, look, I think everyone people watches. That I think that is just a thing that everyone does. Everyone goes out and people watches. I go a little bit further and sometimes I'll make, like, a backstory for that person. I'll see someone and be like... Yeah, we do that. It's fun. Yeah. Okay. You're a Susan with that haircut. You've just come out of some fancy-ass restaurant with three of your fucking girlfriends and you've just complained to the chef because the meal was subpar and you demanded to get a refund for your money and you refused to leave a tip and you've stormed off really angry, vowing never to go back and made a complete scene in that restaurant. Yeah. And it's a very Susan thing to do. Actually, I know Susan. She was really, really nice, and she was not like that in any way, shape, or form. But that's beside the point. But yeah, I feel like I feel like that's a normal thing to do, and doesn't it's not weird. It probably is weird to people. Maybe it, maybe it's a little weird to but other it's people. Fine. It but I use that. Time. I use I use that for characters in my stories when I write short stories. So I feel like it's a good thing. It's okay. It's acceptable. I accept it, and therefore it is okay. Stop trying to justify your weirdness. Keep going. I'm not. I'm not getting off on it. That's the, my point. <laughs> point is, I'm not getting off on it sexually, so it's okay. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. So Santa Cruz was a magnet for the younger community with its liberal attitudes and alternative community lifestyle, as there was no sense of danger or threat. Hitchhiking was commonplace. Oh, stop it. Hitchhiking is back. Yes, it's fine. Stop trusting people. <laughs> Trust no one. Ed was riding his motorcycle one day when he was involved in an accident Could with you a car. Imagine him on a motorcycle. It'd have to be a fucking big bike. He'd look like a badass, wouldn't he? If especially if he couldn't see him, he's wearing like full He'd bike look leathers like and a shit. A clown on one of those tiny bikes at the circus. Potentially, if it wasn't if it wasn't a bigger bike. I feel like it'd have to be quite a large bike to carry him. It'd have to be like the biggest one on the market. <laughs> he filed a civil suit against the driver where he was awarded a $15,000 settlement. Ooh, that's pretty hefty. Maybe that's what I should do. With this money, Ed went out and bought a yellow Ford Galaxy. 
He would satisfy his voyeuristic urges by driving up and down the highway, picking up girls so he could look at them. He's not doing anything. He's picking them up. They're hitchhiking. He picks them up, takes them exactly where they want to go. He just happens to look at them, which I feel like that's Uber. He's basically a free Uber. Yeah, but it's... Uh... Let's be honest. You, If you're a chick and you get into an Uber, into an Uber, the driver is checking you out. Yeah. So basically what Ed was doing is Uber for free. He was just not charging them. That that I feel like that is literally the only difference. He just wasn't charging them. Slowly, his rage for his mother began to build up to the point where he could no longer just look at the women. Yeah, this is where it starts. to be not <laughs> to Uber. Uh, I don't know. There's some fucking sick Uber drivers. Yeah, yeah look, I, I'm pretty sure there has been a few uh, true crime stories related to Uber. I've had friends who have been like, wow, I caught an Uber tonight and had to complain about the driver because he told me I have nice tits and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah. wow, it makes me never want to catch an Uber. Awesome. Yeah. Women just can't take a compliment. Women just can't fucking do nothing. <laughs> we can't leave the house. I can't take a compliment. Saying nice tits, like just... Nice ass. Just a compliment. Can't do that in 20... It's 29 and you can't do that. Can't compliment a woman. If I hear you saying that to anyone else but me, <laughs> I'm going to smack you over the back of the head. Yeah, but maybe they're not married. With a shoe. So it's okay. They're not, they may not be married, so they can do that. They've got to pick up somehow. How else do you pick up in this day and age? You look at a woman, you're sexually abusing her. How do you pick up... And seriously, I'm so glad I'm not dating in you this day and age. You don't. You'd be a voyeur. <laughs> but how do you... How do you how do you get laid you without don't. paying for it? You don't. No more. <laughs> Even then, you're probably sexually abusing them. You rape someone. I don't want to do it. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. <laughs> do it. No. Uh, so, <laughs> so Ed went out and he bought a gun, a knife, and also got a pair of handcuffs. He's mm, kinky. Ul- mm, very. His ultimate desire now was to turn his dark fantasies into reality. Well, don't we all just want to turn our fantasies into reality, honestly? I think some I would love to handcuff you to a bed. (gasps) Yeah, but there's nowhere to do it. Yeah, I know. (laughs) No, I'm not. I'm not. No. Come on. You know you want to. Not really. I'm not a fan of it. Okay. Not a fan. That's not for me. Everyone's got their own kink. I'm not kink shaming. As long as it's not illegal, go for it. <laughs> if you're not hurting anyone, unless they want to be hurt. I was going to say, unless there's a safe word. Yes. Uh, so The so safe Ed- word is bumble butt. <laughs> that, I feel like that is a phenomenal safe word to use. I can get behind that. That's good. So Ed picked up around 150 hitchhikers without incident. That's a lot. It is. That's this a is lot just of what people. He would, this, is what, this is his hobby. This is what he does for enjoyment. He goes out, he picks up hitchhikers and just drops them off at home. I feel like that's a lot of petrol. It is, but it was also 1970 where petrol cost a fucking nickel or something. (laughs) Not like today. A nickel a gallon. (laughs) Whereas today it costs an entire arm. Like a a literal arm. You just have to sever your arm and go, here you go. That's half a tank. If you want a full tank, it costs costs you two arms. That's why you have lots of children. But here, have baby arms. (laughs) Instead... He was looking for ways to make the girls trust him. He would generally pick up small petite girls and drive them to wherever they wanted to go. He would watch them and take note of their behavior and how they reacted to him. He slowly learned of ways to make them trust him while keeping his dark fantasies in the back of his mind. 
He would rehearse how to kill his victims with each hitchhiker he picked up. He also read police novels to gain valuable insight and tips on keeping the doors locked after he had someone inside the car, all while giving the impression that he was safe. He practiced killing hundreds of times before he actually did it for real. How do you practice? What in his head? Just, yeah, just going just going through the motions in different ways and just rehearsing it and going, I'll do this, then this will happen, then I'll do that, right. I'll do that. Yeah. So he's really methodical in everything that he's doing. Yeah. And that's quite possibly his IQ coming out. Yeah, definitely. I feel someone with a lower IQ, like your Ed Gein or your Henry Lee Lucas. They don't think, they just act. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah. Whereas he has put a lot of time and energy into what he wants to do. Yeah. Is his, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. That's what he's going to do. He's going to kill people and that, and he's working out exactly how he's going to do it. Yeah. So for over a year, he practiced, rehearsed, and perfected the art of picking up girls, letting them get to their destination every time until May the 7th, 1972, which is a Tuesday. I'm going to say it now as a Tuesday. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to look up all these dates after this and see if you're right. August 27th was a Saturday. May 7th, 72 was a Tuesday. When Ed let himself slip completely into his fantasy world. Ed would later say in an interview with detectives, I was scared to death of having a relationship with a woman. I'm picking up young women and going a little further each time. It's a daring kind of thing. First, there wasn't a gun. We go to a vulnerable place where there weren't any people watching, where I could act out and say, no, I can't do this. Then a gun is in the car, hidden, and this craving, this awful, raging, eating feeling is in me, and this fantastic passion takes over. It was overwhelming. It was like a drug, addicting. And that's where we'll leave it for the first part of Ed Kemper. Oh, that's exciting. This is where the killing begins. Well, I have to admit, well, picks up not, again? not that you can go, oh, my God, I really like this serial killer, but, like, I like. He's fascinating. I you like the story. Yeah. Yeah, you can, you, you're allowed to, you're, I, I feel like you're allowed to like certain serial killers because I really like Ed Gein. I mean, I don't, I'm, I'm not like. I like him like I idolise him and I'm going like to kill most, like him. Not like most girls go, oh, my God, Ted Bundy. I want to have sex with Ted Bundy. Yeah, I'm sorry. Ted Bundy doesn't do it for me, guys. That one eyebrow thing he's got going on. Give me two any day. Come on. Not even Zac Efron as Ted Bundy. who looked eerily like him just with two eyebrows. Yeah, no. Like it, it was a two eyebrow Ted Bundy. No. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. There's no, there's no hot... Female serial killers, I don't think, that I can think of off the top of my head. There's no attractive ones because you've got Eileen Wernos. <laughs> Go first. Uh, you've got Kathleen Knight. Kathleen Knight. <laughs> she was fucking disgusting. I feel like women that are dangerous enough slash intimidating enough slash psycho enough to kill someone are not really looking after their appearance. It's not high on their list. Yeah, no, it definitely isn't. I mean, there's some... They're sharpening their killing skills, <laughs> not, you know, filling in their eyebrows. 
Well, maybe they should take more uh, time for themselves. Have a bit of me time. Yeah, a little, just killers. a little bit of me time in the bathroom. Have a nice, just relaxing pamper. bath. Nice bath. Maybe some lavender oils Wash and candles. Your hair. Yeah, that's a big one. They don't do that, do yeah, they? Yeah, no, they always look oily, don't they? Yeah. Wash your hair. Maybe some Brush moisturizer. Your yeah. Just, just do something for you that isn't killing. Slap on one coat of mascara. Yeah, at least, at least something. Won't kill you. No. And then maybe you can just like flutter your eyes and then just be like, oh, hey, stranger, step, 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 step. I mean, it seems like a pretty solid plan. Lure them with the hotness and then kill them. And then be like, look, I'm hot and fucking dangerous. Although they say the Bonnie uh, from Bonnie and Clyde was very attractive. I know I am. Miss <laughs> cool, <clears throat> Is that what you think about me? What? Burps? <laughs> Do I need to play the burp that I've still got saved on here? Oh, my God, yes. We may upload that for you, people. <laughs> so that is part one of Ed Kemper. I'm really liking this. This is good fun. Mm-hmm. Plugs. And I'm not talking about the ones for your ears. I was going to say mine are 28 mil. Yours are 25. <laughs> yes. No. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Jump on it, people. We post a lot of stuff on there, a lot of questions and stuff. So jump on there. And check us out. Give us a follow. Give us a like. Uh, Facebook and Instagram at Twisted Tangents and Twitter at Podcast Twisted because Twitter gave us that for some reason and I can't change it. Because Twitter's a shit cunt. Twitter's the best. No. We are currently in the process of setting up a Patreon account because the bills don't pay themselves. We need to upgrade our gear desperately. I mean, we're down. We're cu- our current setup now is one microphone in the middle of the table with us both leaning over to record into. Little one awkward, microphone. guys. Little awkward. Yeah. So we're going to get around to setting up a Patreon. We're just sort of tweaking it around, making it look all nice and neat, and making sure the reward tiers are suitable and they're good enough that I would want to sign up. Yeah, Tom will send you pictures of his hairy nutsack. Why? <laughs> why? Why do you go? I'm trying to. I'm trying to be serious here, and you're going fucking up with stupid shit like that. God fucking damn it! Why? Because I can. No, seriously though, we're gonna have like t-shirts. Yeah, it's gonna be, yeah, gonna be good stuff. We're gonna or yeah, so exclusive content. Yeah, we're gonna do pa- Patreon only episodes. We are going to be. Buying an old typewriter and we will actually type out a letter for you at a certain tier and above that and send that to you. We will send you all sorts of stuff, stickers and merch. We'll do polls where you can jump on and vote for what design that you want or what you want to see merch-wise. If you want to make requests on certain episodes for us to delve into, we will put you up at the top of the list. We'll do monthly sort of Q&As, and if you don't want to ask questions, we can just shoot shit for a while. Uh, That's going to be fun. We're just kind of working out how to set all of that up and where the best place to do it is. We have actually got a Discord server now. Yeah. We've got a Discord server, so jump onto... uh, It's obviously Twisted Tangents Discord server. So jump on there and come say g'day to us on Discord. So that is it for tonight. Thank you for joining us. Yep. And we will be back again next week with part two. Oh, wait. And if you didn't see it on any of our social media, 
number one, shame on you, motherfucker. Jump number on two, that social media. We hit three and a half thousand listens. Boom. Woo. We did. And we also bought a conspiracy book about 9-11. Oh, yeah, with a creepy DVD in it. Check was, it out. Yeah, there was a DVD that was tucked inside. Somehow someone had put this DVD inside of the book, given it to an op shop. No one there had noticed it. It had gone up on the shelf. Bonnie then went and opened up the book, flicked through it, looked at it, went, yep, yeah, cool, bought it, got into the car where her own mother then went, oh, there's a DVD in here. The 9-11, the new special you never saw. It's probably porn. So my cousin says. <laughs> or it's George Bush dancing around in women's underwear. Jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams. Oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> it's just George Bush sitting there rubbing his nips. Oh, mm, tell me about terrorism. I'm never going down for this. <laughs> so thank you once again for joining us. We're leaving it there. It's getting fucking weird. <laughs> my name is Tom. And I'm always Bonnie. See ya. Bye. Bye.